From time to time, during the How Did We Miss That podcast, we may talk about details of crimes that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is highly advised. we miss that? Hey, welcome back to another exciting episode of the How Did We Miss That podcast. I'm Christine. And I'm John. And we're just going to get right into it because this is a second parter of my last week's story. And if you remember last week, we talked about the Texas killing fields. And I'll just remind you really quickly, it was a like a 25-acre-ish lot in between Galveston and Houston in Texas. Mm-hmm. And we were at a body count of about six. Only six, huh? It seemed like so much more last week. It did. But so far, we're only at six. Okay. But if you remember that the last time that we recorded, the bodies of Maria Johnson and Debbie Ackerman had been found partially submerged in the Turner Bayou. Yes. Okay. They had been bound with black cords. They were naked from the waist down. They also had found gunshot wounds on Debbie's back. There was one um, in her upper back and then one to the right of her spine. When the news got out that the last time the girls had been seen that they were hitchhiking, that practice came to a screeching halt as did like basically the normal way of life for any child slash teen in this town. So we're jumping right back into it. Just six days after these bodies had been found a metal detectorist. And yes, that is a real ist. Did you know that? That's a job? Yes. Well, it's it's an actual terminology. I always like um, Civil War reenactor. That's always like a fabulous job, but this one's good too. I'm a metal detectorist. Yes. I actually looked it up <laughs> and that is the correct terminology. And I, <laughs> it made me think of my grandpa. He used to always put his like headphones in and have his little metal detector. He'd like, go to the beach and sweep the beach for anything. It seems a a little peaceful and fun. I always wanted one of those, but I didn't know you could make any money off of it. It's like a a retiree's thing to me. Oh, for sure. But (laughs) being about it, do you go to school to be a metal detectorist? I don't think so. (laughs) I think you just get the little thing and read the instruction booklet and off you go. Right. I wonder how many people actually have found something of value with a metal detector. I'm sure people have found people's rings that had been lost. Yeah. Rings and earrings, old coins. Yeah, I'm sure people have uh, found some good finds out there. Yeah, I don't think my grandpa ever found anything exciting. Well, just like my grandpa, instead of finding buried treasure, this man found a decomposing body. With a metal detector. Well, Did they have a- I don't think he found it with the metal detector. I think he was looking for stuff and then he found the body. Oh, okay. Well, this body was that of Gloria Gonzalez. So if you remember from last week... She had been missing about a month prior to this. Her roommate reported her missing. She didn't ever came home. She used to work at the Kroger okay. the grocery chain. It is. Um, and she never came home from work. So her roommate reported her missing. Well, now they found her. Mm. The medical examiner examined her teeth in order to make a positive ID, but found that some of the teeth found at the crime scene did not even belong to Gloria, but to a second completely different victim. 
Three days later, they send cadaver dogs in order to inspect the area around the attic's reservoir. And at 10.30 that morning, a sheriff finally spotted a pile of bones on a bed of leaves just about like a football field size away from what I can gather from where Gloria was found. They had finally found the remains of Colette Wilson. So if you don't remember, she was our first missing person, the one that started this whole entire story. She disappeared on June 17th. She was 13 years old. She's the one who was waiting for her mom to come pick her up after band camp. So they finally found her. Since there have now been five dead girls in five months, the police are finally starting to believe that they may be dealing with a single killer. So if you forget, up until this point, they hadn't connected any of these bodies. But now they're like, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, same age five group, girls same area. In the same amount of months. This There's is- a clear pattern here. I think we mentioned that last episode too. The same kind of look, same age group, same type right. of killing. Yeah. But they would not have much time to let that information settle because six weeks later on January 3rd of 1972, so we've now crossed over into 1972, it's a new year, started in 71. Happy New Year. Moved into 1972, only give us a couple days before the bodies of two more girls are found near the banks of an overflowed ditch in the community of Shore Acres. So I looked up Shore Acres, I was interested what community this is and it's it's an affluent community with an actual current population like right now of only 1600 people well that's tiny yeah so it's a pretty small little little area it's 30 miles north of galveston and 12 miles east of the property off calder road that i've been talking about that field that we've been talking about the killing field right So these bodies are identified as the bodies of 14 year old rhonda johnson and 13 year old sharon shaw who, if you remember, they had gone missing right after attending the Wicks Water Ski School. Yep. Just five months earlier. That's right. Yes. So the public began to outcry at this point. They're demanding that the authorities work harder to find out who's responsible for the murders because this is now seven bodies in just six months. They wanted nothing more than to find out who was responsible. But you have to remember that at this point, authorities, they didn't really have the resources that we have today. DNA testing was not even a thing, not even until 1986. And then the FBI didn't actually seriously begin criminal profiling until 1976. So a lot of the time nowadays we can catch somebody based on a criminal profile. So they can tell you what this person may be like, what are the things they might be interested in, maybe how they look, maybe what you can um, expect are their patterns of life things like that yeah just based on evidence and things they find yeah. on the body not but actual profiling because that's bad it's a no behavior, no you have not the bad profile yeah <laughs> well even you call criminal that criminal profiling you still have to use that word profile it's a real slippery slope there the, the profile in law enforcement right well the so the fbi hadn't begun like truly working on real criminal profiles until 1976 so they actually had um, a few investigators between 1976 and 1979 interview a ton of serial killers to get all this information and find more information about how they think and how they act and what they do. And like I said, that didn't begin until 76 and we're in 72 right now. Yeah. So we're really close. We were in peak killing time. Right. Maybe exactly. get away with it. Right. And yeah. that's kind of, I think, what prompted all of this, that during this time period, it was uh, a little crazy with the serial killers. 
Yeah. Hey, when it's easy, why not, right? I guess so. So I want to take a break from all the death for a minute. And this episode, I'm going to focus mostly on some of the suspects. Super sus. Super sus. Totes sus. Because like I said, the pressure from the public pushed the local authorities to put out a suspect list. But sadly, this list actually ended up doing more harm than good in these cases. One example um, of somebody that they decided was a suspect was a mental patient who had been released into the area and had tried to abduct a woman recently as the body had been found. But upon further investigation, they actually proved that he was just focused on the one woman that he was in love with and not many women. So he was quickly, you know, taken off that list. He also had an alibi. Right. And there was absolutely no evidence to put him anywhere near any of the scenes. So not really sure why he was put on the list, but he was. Another suspect was a young man from California who the newspapers described as a hippie. Okay. Yeah. I thought they went away in the 60s. Apparently not. What makes one a hippie? Do we know? Well, the newspapers described this man as having long hair, and that was pretty much about it. Profiling. Yeah, profiling. The bad kind this time. Um, He had a white van. Remember we talked about the white van? Oh, that's that's sus. Right. Although, Um, maybe not in the 70s. Vans were cool. They were hip back then. That's true. They were pretty popular. Yeah. But we did talk about a white van being Yes, with the white peace sign. Um, But he actually raised suspicion from the officers because he started asking a bunch of questions about the girl's deaths. So they searched his van. They actually discovered that there was a rifle in the back of it. They're thinking, hey, we got this guy. That's normal in Texas. Or was he found he in California? He was from California. Well, he was from there, but was he yes. found in California? No. He, he was, was found, found in Texas. Okay, but he's maybe just trying to get with right. the Texas well, lifestyle. So they investigated further, and it turns out that he actually had just arrived in Texas. He hadn't been there for very long. And he finally said that it, it was his intent to solve the cases and get the reward money. With the rifle? Was going to shoot the bad I'm guy? I'm not sure what the rifle was for. They didn't say. Mm. But they were like super excited when they find this thing. Because remember, one of the victims was shot in the back. I'm just saying, I've only been to Texas once. But if you aren't driving around with the rifle, you look like you're from out of town. Mm, okay. You got to have a I've, gun rack or something. We've just driven through Texas. Well, this is what I've heard from people that live there. That oh, it's a oh, gosh. Foot loose okay. and fancy free with a gun. So you have to have one like hanging off the back of your truck or in your window or something, or you look like. that's You can do that. You can everyone's just have like, it. Man, like, that guy's out from there? out of town. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Texas is like, it's the Wild West, literally. Texas, Arizona. Amazing. For gun owners, that's the place to be. I guess so. Yeah. Well, shoot, man. Ha ha. See what I did there? I did. Bang. That's good. It's pretty good. <laughs> Obviously, this guy was not the person they were looking for. Um, I'm now going to tell you this really sad story. It's actually really sad. It made me bummed. I wish I had some music like do 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 do. Yeah, it needs like violence. Yeah, maybe I'll add. Some. I feel really bad about this one. Okay. So this is the story of Michael Lloyd Self. He was actually the fifth suspect in the group. So we've car- covered suspects one and two. We're going to jump to the fifth because the other two were just kind of inconsequential. Uh, Basically, they were being accused because they had actually been found guilty of the murder of another young woman. So police thought, oh, well, you killed this woman. You must have killed all the others. However, the police were not able to find enough correlations to make the accusations stick. So they were quickly removed from the list. So Self was 24 years old in 1972 
and was arrested on charges related to the murders of Rhonda Johnson and Sharon Shaw. He was actually obsessed with the murders and customers and coworkers of the gas station that he worked at had actually told authorities that he would not stop talking about them. So it's just a bit odd, right? Maybe back then. I mean, nowadays there's a bunch of uh, middle-aged women running around obsessing about right. murder like you. True. <laughs> Do they, are you all suspect in every no, murder that, that occurs? Is, that is something that um, criminal profilers, yet again, will say is something to look for. Someone who gets really obsessed with the case, with details of the case, with finding newspaper clippings and you know, Come television, on. that know. kind of thing about it. I do uh, behavior profiling for right. security and stuff. I get it. Yeah. Right. So he was very much obsessed with this case. A little bit more about him was that he was adopted when he was 10. Um, they didn't really say what happened to his dad, but his mother became a, a single parent at that point. And she ended up focusing her attentions really closely on him, which caused him to be like this really shy, withdrawn, you know, mama's boy, like you would expect, right? He did not do well in school. And actually a doctor had done like a, I want to say investigation, but that's not the word I'm looking for. An evaluation? Evalu yeah, okay. I guess evaluation yeah. is probably what I'm yeah, looking like for. Yeah, like a psych evaluation or whatever. And yeah. he found that he actually had a little bit of brain damage from a head injury. Okay. So we're dealing with someone who's not mentally competent, basically. Yeah. He, not, he's As they say, one... Uh, one one knife short of a full set or something? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> one tool short of a full toolbox? Not yeah. playing with a full deck. There you go. Yeah. He's <laughs> he's not um as mentally stable as most people would be, I would yeah, think. That's the nice way to say it, yes. I guess. Yeah. He was interested in police officers, and since there wasn't much going on in the town, I mean we've talked about what quiet towns these are, he focused his attention on these cases because they were huge at this point. They were super you know, they were everywhere. They're in your face. People were interested in them. So he really focused his attention on these. And that's, I think, why he kind of became a little bit obsessed with them. I, I've known a few guys that are super obsessed with cops. Like they either yeah. tried to be one and failed. They usually work in security and they're they're pretty batshit crazy. I mean, they're like, yeah, they do obsess about these things. They drive around in cars that look like cop cars. I could see where they'd be suspect. For sure. Exactly. Yeah. And if you are, you have nothing to go on, like, why not take this guy who's like a completely easy target? Well, it's just not normal back then, especially to be obsessing about these things. No. So they tried to pin things on him just, I mean, basically just to close the case. Uh, you know, like I said, the, the pub public is screaming at them, telling them, find who these people are. They're getting outraged. These They just want to close this at this point. Self says that he was literally beaten and had a gun held to his head and was tied to a chair and told that he would not be released until he confessed. By the time his lawyer finally showed up, he was already signing a detailed confession. What was that thing we saw on that Netflix show briefly where the, they bring in like mafia people to try to get people like this to confess? Oh, yeah. What it had a term. That? I can't I remember. Know, and you were going to talk about it, yeah, too, Billy I Billy Goat or something? or a no. I don't know. I'll have to look that up, but that's what this sounds like. We're going to force you to say it was you just so we can shut this thing down. Right. Well, we've got some more information on this in just a second. So I told you his attorney showed up. He had already signed this confession. He insisted his attorney that he didn't commit the murders. He kept saying he didn't do it. He kept insisting he didn't do it. And it turns out that there was actually a lot of inconsistencies in the confession that he signed, 
So he actually wrote that he had thrown the bodies in a nearby lake and not the bayou, which we know they were found in. He wrote that one of the girls was picked up from her house. And we know that both of the girls are actually seen at a certain time together. And it actually turned out that the time he said he picked her up, she had already been missing for hours and they had actually already reported her missing by that time. So that's pretty inconsistent with what actually was happening. Yeah. He also said that he had beat the girls on the head with a Coke bottle to the point of them passing out, which obviously wasn't consistent with the injuries to the bodies. There was no head injuries or anything of that nature. All right. Well, the police decided that these inconsistencies just simply would not do. Aha. So, oh. Mr. Big. Mr. Big. That's that when you force a confession. That's correct. Well, you force a confession because what? You want to explain what Mr. Big is? Yeah, isn't it like bring bringing in the you're putting me on the spot here? <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, I can tell. I just it's like bringing to. in a mafia person or somebody who's paid for by the police to. It's somebody posing and, yeah. as a confidant. I guess like yeah, but but the thing is that they get the suspect into more crime. Yes, uh, and as they're doing that, they get them to slowly trust them and see them as someone who's going to take care of them. Yeah like a mafia leader would. Right. And then um, that trust slowly builds up and they start to give them more information about other crimes they committed to try to seem cooler yes. to this big guy. Yeah. So, like I said, they didn't like his first confession, so they decided to make him sign a second one. Oh, good. Isn't that nice? Yeah. And now suddenly, this account completely matches the evidence. Isn't that weird? Crazy. Self's attorney, whose name, by the way, great name, Dewey Meadows. Oh, that is great. Isn't that a good name? It sounds more like a porn star than an attorney, but okay. I like, I like yeah. Dewey Meadows, attorney-in-law. Dewey Meadows. <laughs> I, so he wasn't even notified that Self had even been brought in for questioning, which uh, that's got to be completely not okay, I would think. Yeah. Anyway, by the time he found out, the second confession had already been signed. So... I'm just really confused by this because we've got these two confessions. Wouldn't that, I mean, you would think that that would be enough to put reasonable doubt in any jury's mind, right? I mean, he's clearly not, his stories are not consistent. And that seems to be one of the big things for the opposite end. You trying to prove someone's guilty because their stories aren't consistent. Yeah. Whereas this seems it would be really good evidence for them not being guilty because the confession they're apparently making is not even close to each other. Well, we saw the same thing when I covered Martin Luther King, I think. They came in and no questioning or anything and just like kind of said, oh, I did it. And right. his story and everything didn't line up and all that stuff. And so um, it's like when law enforcement wants to get you, they'll get you. Well, after finally getting to meet with his client again, Meadows realized that Self was not able to answer anything for himself, that he would look to his mom for answers. Remember I told you his mom had kind of a strong hold on him. He was clearly terrified at this point. He again told Meadows that he was told he would not get to see his mom again if he did not sign the second confession. So they're like really strong arming him into these things. I, I would That wouldn't scare me. I'd wow. be like, ah, oh, darn, shucks. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> well, then no. You're going to have to do better than that. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Well, the jury are full of idiots, apparently, <laughs> and they send self to prison for life. Twelve angry idiots? Because of this confession. Yeah. Wow. Yikes. Yeah, that's crazy. Just like I always say, 
But wait. There's more. There's more. A few years later, in September of 1975, a few guys are caught robbing a local bank. Two of them just so happened to be some of the police officers that worked on Self's case. Wait, the cops were robbing the bank? Uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah. And their ringleader was none other than the police chief that bullied Self into his confession. Wow, dirty cops. You don't right? say. Yeah. However, even with all of this, Self's case did not get reevaluated until 1979. It's so a good year. Four years later. It was a great year. It's a good vintage. Yeah. A newspaper decided to do an article on this bizarre story of a man who was sent to prison on a coerced confession by a bunch of bank robbing cops. Sounds like a good story to me. <laughs> a merry band of bank robbing cops. <laughs> merry band. That sounds very Texas. It does, right? <laughs> Self explained to the reporter that he had signed the confession to keep the police chief from killing him. Even after all of this, his appeal is still rejected. Ugh. I feel so bad for this guy. This doesn't fit with Texas, actually. I mean, I was just joking about that. This sounds more like a New York or a Chicago CD mafia right, type I know. So, dirty cop situation. You don't hear about this in Podunk, Texas. Right. So again, so his appeal was rejected. Again, after Self has been in jail for almost 20 years at this point, the state decides that he had his chance to plead his case and decide you have no more appeals left. You're done. Incredible. It doesn't, I mean, it, there's there's some weird cover-up going on here. Yeah. Like, this is just insane. We should have talked it's about this like before. I dirty cops covering up for more dirty cops. I could have uh, explored the cover-up conspiracy scenario here. I know. It's, it's crazy. So, he actually ended up dying of a heart attack in prison after serving almost 30 years. Is that sad? That is sad. That poor guy. He, I mean, he, I felt so bad. Well, now that we know he totally didn't kill these girls, let's get back to 1973. Okay, after all these bodies have been found, the murders continue on January 3rd of 1973 with Kimberly Pitchford. So I found that really strange because we had just talked about January 3rd of 1972. Yeah. When a body was found. Mm -hmm. Well, now we've got January 3rd, 1973. Hmm. I thought that was weird. A little pattern or something. I don't know. Well, anyway, Kimberly Pitchford is a 16 year old high school student. She arrived early that morning at her school for her first day back after her winter break. She was a sophomore and she loved to roller skate. Some of her friends said that she was like really shy, that she had braces that she was embarrassed about. And so she was afraid to smile. So she sounds like your normal, typical teenager. Yeah. 16 at this year point. Old. Yep. She worked at a fast food restaurant part time. But on January 3rd, she had walked out of her driver's ed class and was never seen alive again. The next day, two boys found her body along County Road 65. They noticed something black along the fence, which had been the new coat that she received for Christmas, and went to take a closer look. Her body was face down and partially underwater. So I'd forgot to mention this. I don't know if our listeners or you have noticed that all these bodies seem to be found in or near water, which is something that I haven't heard like brought up. I did not point put that together but until right seems, now. Yeah, it seems to be a thing. I don't know if it's just because there's so much water in this area. I don't. I don't know. But she actually, it, it was just like a like a ditch. I think that was had water in it. Yeah, the, a couple ones ago, you said it was like a, a overflow yeah, ditch. Yeah, like an overflow ditch. Yeah. I think it's the same with her. So she's partially partially underwater. So anyway, the boys they run to a nearby home to call police. Another victim 
to the killing fields. Yeah. And then the first one last week was in a river. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. There the other two that were found in the bayou. It's the wet bandits. Right. So again, like I said, we've got another victim of the killing fields, but little did they know, two more would follow very soon. Is that part three next week? Mm-hmm. How many parts is this? I think it's probably going to end up being three, probably four. Ooh, a saga. Yeah. Three is a trilogy. I think once you get past that, you're in saga territory. Right. I, I could do more. Like I could have added these next two bodies or whatever, but it's it's one of those things where it's like once you get into the story and it's like one more body's found, well, but six months, six weeks later, another one's found and you just keep, yeah. like there's not a good place to stop. I kind of thought this this was a nice place to stop. Do you know what the press was like on this? I'm just wondering if like copycats or other killers from nearby started bringing their bodies there. So that's a theory that people have uh, arrived at because there's so many. Um, I think the issue is, I mean, if it was a copycat, that's exactly what it would have to be. There, there's a lot of consistencies with the way, the way that the bodies are found. Yeah. And that was actually one of the things that with our third and fourth suspects, if you remember, I didn't even mention them. They had killed a woman prior to being put on the suspect list. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they were eliminated was because the way that the body was found was not anywhere near consistent with what the others were found in. So judges and everything weren't able to make that stick. They were saying this isn't close enough. The woman was found. She was wearing go-go boots. She was fully clothed. Mm. Um, I don't think she was even in any water whatsoever. Like Nothing like that. So it was not the same pattern. Um, so I think it, it must be if that's what it is. It must be a copycat if it's more than one person because yeah, they're I'm just, just too similar. Being devil's advocate here, there's a lot of sick right. people out there that pay attention to like anniversary dates and you had right. said that january 3rd a year apart exactly they try to do the same type of victim the same you know the water so like we'll you see said. um later on there's a victim i don't want to give too much away but a victim in the, the 90s who actually breaks this case open again um there's a little time period of quiet uh and it it gets a lot of press for this finally so we'll we'll kind of talk about that uh, leader. Interesting. And this is still unsolved, yes? Yeah. Wow. Uh, we'll get into a couple more suspects as well later on as the body count rises. Excellent. So, yeah. Are we going to call this one body count part two? <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, so I don't know how we can <laughs> connect the two. Mine has no bodies, but mine does no have bodies. a Texas connection. Oh. Have you heard of, this is rhetorical because I know you haven't, because I just learned about it tonight. Oh. The Jade Helm 15. No. Okay. 15 what? Well, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of conspiracy theories around this, but I love this. this happened in 2015. Hello. Oh. How did we miss that? Ding, ding. Seriously. The Jade Helm 15 was a United States military training exercise, which took place on U.S. soil in okay. multiple cities and states. And it was an exercise that was designed to teach the military four of the five branches. At the time, we didn't have Space Force yet. Questionable whether that's a real branch anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Four of the five branches, they were doing this exercise to figure out how to, I guess, conduct warfare in like a populist type. Okay. You know what I'm trying to say? I see what you're getting at. Like in the middle of a town or a city yeah, versus like how would you, out in the field or whatever. Right. So I'm assuming it's like how to 
make casualties less and stuff like that or yeah i'm sure that's part of it it didn't go into detail here but it's just that that type of terrain and the only way to train for that is to go plop you in the middle of an actual right. functioning city or town So now, i'm sorry i don't mean to interrupt your story it's so okay are all the branches of the military working together on this or yeah, yeah, okay yeah. all right gotcha and i'm guessing it's all of them but the coast guard probably okay or maybe air force i don't know it didn't say that either um but the exercise, which involved only 1,200 personnel, like I said, from four of the five branches, it was designed to train them in the skills they need to operate in overseas combat environments, including maneuvering through civilian populations. That's okay, what I was trying to got say. got it. So, I mean, you think about the Gulf War is out in the middle of the desert. And yeah. Vietnam was in the jungle, whatever. This is like, we're teaching you how to have, fight a war in the middle of like downtown Boston. You know, right. With buildings, people all around and all that stuff. Usually these exercises are kind of kept secret, top secret, like when we did the Hitler expose many episodes ago, and that one in Antarctica was like a top secret deal that people had to try to figure out. Well, right. this one, the military said, hey, we're doing this. Probably because when you see maneuvers going on in your town, you're going to be like, what yeah, the fuck's going on here? really you know? scary. Well, thanks to their announcement, they kind of shot themselves in the foot and people started freaking out. They're like conspiracy theories ran wild that this is Trump who was running for office at the time in 2015. He's planning a military takeover. This is an exercise to practice martial law. How did we miss this? I know. I I don't know anything about this. I did not hear this. (laughs) Nothing. And you'd think we would like people find everything they can to, you know. Well, quick sidebar. When we started this podcast, I started thinking about how did I miss all these things? And I started to correlate them to events in my life. And I'm trying to think 2015, like I, I feel like wasn't doing anything. Special. Well, thanks to, thanks to this podcast, I've realized like the last 20 years of my life, complete blur. And then everything before that, I mean, I was a kid doing kid stuff and obviously didn't pay attention to the news cycle or anything like this, but I'm like, where did the last 20 years go? Do I have brain damage or something? I don't remember any of this. Yeah. Well, so here's the situation. Like I keep doing a lot of, murders and things from the 70s and the 80s and and of course i missed it i was a kid or not even born yet right but yeah yeah. what i'm trying to say is how did have i not already by now heard of this place where almost 70 bodies have been found you know so of course i didn't get it when it was in the news then but these are in the news when we're fully comprehensible here i mean like yes and how are you we know, not not to crap on your point but i mean you have to be into murder or just really a big news watcher to find out about your stuff for me i've been in the security field for 20 years this is kind of like a newsworthy military martial law thing. you'd think i'd hear about this right you would think this would cross my path of normal <laughs> paying attention were you were you in intel at this point in 2015 no i was doing security management but still like i mean I, you know me. I, f- I follow on social media all the yeah. news stuff, and it brings me in- down and depresses. Yeah, I, I, I didn't hear anything about anyway. this. Okay, I want to hear more. <clears throat> yeah, total bizarre land here. So, like I mentioned, the conspiracy theory is that the exercise was going to be a hostile mil- military takeover. Right. People just started freaking out. So, a little detail about the exercise itself. It was supposed to be a realistic military training, or an RMT, codenamed Jade Helm 15. 
the military later said that that wasn't supposed to be cryptic or scary or anything. They just wanted people to remember it. So they picked a unique name that would stand out, I guess. <laughs> Why did they want people to remember it? I don't know. They didn't say that, but That's the military strange. just does weird things. They'll give yeah. them weird operation names. But for some reason, they wanted people to uh, remember this. It was sponsored by the United States Special Operations Command, or USACOM, USACOM, or SOCOM. Military has some great acronyms. Them in Disneyland. Beautiful acronyms. Yes, wonderful. And it involved the United States Special Operations Command, or USASOC, <laughs> <laughs> and Joint Special Operations Command, or JSOC. Nice. With other U.S. military units in multiple states, including Texas, Arizona, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, New Mexico, and Utah. Now, going back to the how did we miss that, California was on the list and it got removed and they did more things in Texas. Okay. We lived in California. How did we not hear about that? Yeah. I can see why they would move it, though. There's not a lot of... uh... Well, I think people f- kind of freaked out, like right. the government didn't want to do it. And, and, and you know. California is very mm, protesty. Yeah, they I don't play nice with the, with. They no, don't they play don't. nice with the military no. or the or the government in general. They're kind of it's California, man, far out. You know, they do what they want. Yeah. Its stated purpose was to improve the special operations forces capability as part of the national security strategy. That's in quotes, so that was an official statement from the government. It was coordinated and led from Elgin Air Force Base and Air Force Material Command, or an AFMC, AFMC base in northwest Florida. Approximately 1,200 troops, like I said, were engaged over the course of the exercise. They were mainly Army Green Berets, so special forces, the scary guys and gals. yeah. But also a small group of Navy SEALs, also scary. And Air Force Special Operations. So it's all the special people, the people that... Super special people. Under the cloak of darkness went and killed no, when Bin you, Laden. Right. Scary. When you say 1,200 troops, does that mean 1,200 people? Or does that mean 1,200 groups like a troop? I don't know what I mean. I, I can tell you what the research, which by the way is from Wikipedia, our best friend. Our best friend. I, I think they're saying 1,200 individuals because special forces okay. groups are not that big. So. Right. Well, that's um, that's actually what got me thinking when you named all those special forces groups. So I wasn't sure if it was like 1,200 little groups of like five or six people or if it was just 1,200 people total. Right. Yeah. So the troops were to engage in the exercise and assume the roles of either occupying or resistance forces. Most locations were in sparsely populated Arid regions near small towns. So, like, you think about where we live now, this would probably be a ripe area to do that in. Yeah. Um, Not sure why they chose those. I I guess the regions where we'd be fighting overseas would probably be smaller towns. We're not going to go fight a war in the middle of London or something. You know, these little villages or whatever in Afghanistan and whatnot. That's really interesting to me, too, though, because you would think that it would be, oh, maybe not. I guess not. Never mind. Scratch that. Continue. <laughs> so to make it, to, to get the population spun up and get the conspiracy theories going, some of the participants wore civilian attire and drove civilian vehicles. So they're just undercover, but they're doing this military scary thing in your town. There were maps of the exercise that included areas of the United States, such as California and Colorado, like I mentioned, where no actual operations were planned. So they put them on the map. This is going to get interesting in a minute. Okay. Well, it's already interesting. The cities in Texas include 
Bastrop, Smithville, Big Spring, Cotto Lake, Caldwell, Crystalval, College Station. That's where uh, yeah. Texas A&M is. I don't know. Big uh, University College Town. Dell City, El Dorado, San Antonio, Leakey, Menard, Mountain Home. Anyway, these smaller kind of towns, right? Usocom claimed that the size and scope of the Jade Helm sets this one apart from previous training exercises such as Derna Bridge and Robin Sage. I guess these are other um, exercises similar to this. So in the small town of Bastrop, I think I'm saying that right, B-A-S-T-R-O-P? Yeah. Bastrop? 60 soldiers took part, including the presence of two Humvee vehicles and a water buffalo water tank. Journalists were not allowed to embed in the operation, but the Texas State Guard, not the National Guard, that's important later as well. Okay. And the civilian group Counter Jade Helm monitored the exercise. So the reason that's important is because the Texas government. Okay. Remember, 2015, Obama's in office. Right. Texas, very Republican state. The Texas governor said, wait a minute. I want everyone in Texas to know that we're safe, and this isn't a martial law takeover thing. I'm going to monitor it with the Texas State Guard. Well, people got freaked out and said, well, what do we have to worry about? Why are you doing that? They didn't explain that. Okay. Plus, people got the Texas State Guard, whatever that is. I don't even know what that is, confused with the National Guard. And so they're like, what's going on here? Is there like a battle going to happen? Yeah. And I could see how that would incite a little People started getting scared. So I mentioned that map, right? U.S. Army Special Operations Command map depicting the U.S. military plans during the Jade 15 exercise. And I have a picture of it for you. And I think we should post this in one of our posts this week. Okay. I'll show you this map. Of course, the people in audience land can't see it until we post it. It's a little blurry, but it kind of looks at first glance like Hunger Games-y kind of with different colored regions. Not exactly the state. Right. Cutouts. And- California is divided. There's a little red section down here at Southern California yeah. and then blue. The conspiracy theories seem to emanate from this map once it, it was released because they had it broken up into, I can barely read the key because it printed out blurry, but there's like the red is hostile. Okay. And so this is all for the purpose of the war games to play it out. Obviously, you know, Texas is not a hostile state that's going to go to battle with California. Right. But the conspiracy nutsos, that's what they figured out from this. I don't know. I think if we, California keeps sending people to Texas, they just might. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, The map divided the region, which was pretty much, I guess, the southwest and a little bit of, yeah, southwest, I guess, Utah, Colorado, Nevada, California, Texas, New Mexico. Mm -hmm. Southwest? Yeah? Yeah. More or less? Mm -hmm. Divided this region into four colors with two hostile states, two permissive states, two states leaning one way or the other, Switzerland. And California was divided into both of those, hostile and permissive. So what's permissive? What does that mean? I think it had to do with the government they were trying to simulate here in their game. But I mean, you're the English teacher. What's the definition of permissive? Well, I would think that just meant that you're allowing Maybe military people to come into in and out. your area. Yeah, that's what I would gather okay. as well. And then there was two states that were like, yeah, do what you want. We're neutral. Well, so I've always thought neutral territory meant you could not have, there was no war whatsoever. I think you can pass through, but yeah, you can't fight. No, I thought you couldn't, like you can't set foot on their property because they refuse to be part of either side, I thought. I don't know, I can be totally so the wrong. Only, the only experience I have with true neutral territory was, I won't mention any, I don't want to go too deep into this trade secrets, but 
an area where I used to work when it came to like gang activity in the area was considered neutral territory because people brought their kids there and whatever. Okay. And so it meant that go ahead and come here if you're from gang A and gang B, but there there shall be no bloodshed or fighting Got it. here. Okay. You want to step outside the boundaries? Okay. Go ahead. Go nuts. Got it. That's what I think. So you can move within neutral territory, but you can't do any military action Okay. there. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. We'll have to research. You're probably that m- you're much smarter than me when it comes to these no, things. No, I'm, so I'm you're probably, probably wrong. more correct. I'm probably definitely wrong. Some of the conspiracy theories included a psychological operation aimed at getting people used to seeing military forces on the street, martial okay. law, yeah. right? So that they don't realize when an invasion actually takes place. An international operation aimed to seize the people's guns was another theory. Recently closed Walmarts used by the military to stockpile supplies for Chinese troops who will be arriving to disarm Americans. That was one of the theories. Oh. Remember, the economy sucked in that last part of the Obama administration. And so big stores, Walmarts, empty buildings everywhere. People started putting that together that this is where China, China, is going to come set up. And that's going to be their base operations to take over the that world. China eventually did disarm America. <laughs> Let's not get political mm. here. That hasn't mm. been proven yet. China. And a military plan to round up political dissidents and remove key political figures who may be against the imp- imposition of martial law. Other theories have described Jade Helm 15 as a secret plot to impose martial law upon the people, confiscate all the firearms, and invade Texas. For Just total, Texas. For total population control. Yeah, I don't know why it would be Texas, because... At least right now, 90% of the conspiracy people out there are far right. Your typical Texas resident. I don't know if it was different back then, but, I wonder you know. What, it is. what would it be about Texas? I don't know. I mean, everybody that stormed the Capitol was far right recently last yeah. week. So I, I mean, I think, well, I guess it is sort of, it's a coastal. Yeah, I was just trying to think like what would be the military stratagem for wanting Texas. Another theory was that the name Jade, possibly referring to China, or possibly an acronym for artificial intelligence developed by the U.S. military. Conspiracy theorist and Texas radio host Alex Jones, I mentioned him to you. I'm going to do another episode all about him. He is complete banana lands. Okay. So maybe while we're still doing Texas things, I'm going to take a peek into Alex Jones. Okay. He's, He's nuts. He said that HELM is an acronym for Homeland Eradication of Local Militants. Mm. So he's stirring everybody up. Everybody's getting stirred up. They think this is some fake thing. Again, how did we miss that? All kinds of reactions throughout the press. All kinds of people. Snopes. People went nuts. Obama even said, this is my favorite conspiracy theory because it's so so outlandish, so out there. So they um, they did their exercise. Texas I don't is, even remember hearing about the exercise going on. I didn't hear about any of this, the conspiracy uh, or the exercise. And so I, it, it's funny you say that because in reading through this research, I'm like, do I think about UFOs or, you know, I don't know. What are some of the other popular ones? Oh, like the current is, uh, you know, the, the vaccine for coronavirus going to give me a 5G wire. D- does that cross my mind? Sure. Maybe a little bit. But I don't go down the rabbit hole of like believing it you're not gonna wear your tinfoil hat right and so i think that's why we missed this stuff because we're fucking normal <laughs> we don't dwell on well but that's thinking the thing, people though. are I here to overthrow us and everything it. 
like I've heard about the the vaccine thing and I've obviously heard about UFOs and all that stuff, but I'm, I did not even hear about this. So, yeah, there's uh, military operations going on right under our nose. Insane. And, you know, I, I think if you fast forward four years to 2020 and what we just went through, <laughs> I guess some of it makes sense where there was a whole lot of talk about martial law potentially yeah. happening. And I guess we're not out of this yet, so it could still happen, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. If people keep storming Capitol buildings and going bananas, I can see where Yeah. it could happen. Insane. Insane. That's my story. Love it. Missed it. Missed it. <laughs> totally missed it. Totally missed it. All right. Well, if you want any more information on these cases, please go to our social media at How Did We Miss That? And a big thank you goes out to our theme composition from Audio Anywhere Productions. You can find them at audioanywhereproductions.com. And until next week, keep your head up and look out for each other. Thank you.